you ready to get into the Word? Hallelujah. Grab your Bible. Go with me to Exodus chapter number 12. Exodus chapter number 12. This is Pentecost Sunday, and uh, I'm taking my text out of the Passover. So, as though that makes sense. Pentecost Sunday, I'm taking the text out of the Passover. Exodus chapter number 12 and verse number 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Now watch what God's doing. God is interrupting Israel's calendar, and he's saying, Erase all of the calendar and the dates that you used to have. Because when you encounter Passover, it becomes a new month, it becomes a new day, and it becomes a new year. Speak unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall you make your count for the lamb. Hang in here. I promise you we're going somewhere. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And you will keep it until the 14th day. You will take it out the 10th day, and you will hide it until the 14th day. For four days you're going to hide it of the same month. The whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And thou shalt take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the house, wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night. Roast it with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they'll eat it. Don't eat of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire his head with his legs with the pertinence thereof, I know this. I know there's words up here you've never even seen. Just, just hang in here. Verse 10, And you shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remains of it until the morning you shall burn with fire. And thus shall you eat it. Watch verse 11. This is where I want to land. And thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste, because it's the Lord's Passover. Thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, with your shoes on your feet, with your staff in your hand. You're going to eat it in a hurry, because it's the Lord's Passover. Everybody said amen. Amen. Um, when I was growing up, I grew up in old school Pentecostal church. And they would always preach this term that was very very, it was just part of our vernacular. They always talked about breakthrough. They always talked about breakthrough, right? Need a breakthrough in your marriage. Hey, need a breakthrough in your money. Shout. Need a breakthrough in your body. In Jesus' name, need a breakthrough. In your, <laughs> I, need an, I need an obesity-reducing anointing in Jesus' name on my life. Huh? Y'all with me this morning? They would, they would always talk about breakthrough. Need a breakthrough with your kids. Somebody pray. Need a breakthrough with this. Somebody pray. Need a breakthrough. Breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. And breakthrough was always attached to something extraordinary happening, Right? You need to break through or go on a fast for 40 days. Well, you and I both know we ain't going to make no 40-day fast the whole way through. You got a good nine hours, and then the headaches kick in, and then you're going to break the fast and say, that was not God. I don't know what I was thinking. I have broken more fast than you all. Okay? 
Don't you just hate fasting? Don't be super spiritual. Be like, I love to fast. I just love. No, you don't. You lying spirit. And so they're always saying things like that. Breakthroughs on the other side of your shout. Breakthroughs on the other side of the. Breakthroughs on the other side of your dance. Everybody's dancing. Everybody's shouting, and they're still waiting on the breakthrough. And next Sunday, they still dance, and they still shout, and they still they get the shofar out. Some of you don't know what a shofar is. Don't worry about it. Get the shofar out and get the flags waving and get it all going and get all of all of our charismatic calisthenics going, all of our theatrics. And then at the end of the day, when the dust settled, ain't nothing happened. Y'all know what I'm talking about? At the end of the theatrics, at the end of the show, everybody was still bound. Everybody was still broke. Everybody was still struggling. Everybody was still depressed. Everybody was still sick. Everybody was still having a hard time because we taught them that, that the breakthrough is on the other side of some dynamic, overwhelming spiritual act. And many times, breakthrough is on the other side of a natural adjustment, not a spiritual one. Your breakthrough is on the other side of a natural adjustment, not a spiritual adjustment. It's much easier to shout about money than it is to say no to our spending habits. I'm preaching good, and you ain't even helping me out. It's a lot easier to shout about God's going to bless me in 2018 and still got them credit cards. Swipe it and believe Jesus to come back before the bill shows up. Glory be to God. Smoke coming off that debit card machine. But God, glory. But I went in Sunday, and I shouted, and God's supposed to pay all of my bills and get me out of all of my irresponsible behavior. It's going to be that kind of Sunday, church. Just buckle up. Breakthrough oftentimes is on the other side of our natural adjustments, not our spiritual calisthenics. And we love to preach the spiritual aspect. When I was growing up in church, you just shouted about everything. Shouted about everything. Kids on drugs, shout. Ah! Kids still on drugs. Right? Marriage is falling apart, somebody praise him. Right? Shout your way out. All this stuff. All this stuff, and I know what they're saying. I know what they're talking. You, how many of you? How many of you? You participated back in the day in a good old-fashioned Jericho march. Yeah. Just walk around the church. Glory to God. Glory to God. Walk outside. Car still won't start. Glory to God. Walking around Jericho, checking your bank balance, see if God blessed you in the middle of the Jericho march. Ain't nobody made a secret deposit. What? <laughs> huh? Y'all know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Because God can only feel what he has previously been allowed to form. Blessing needs structure to contain it. Let me say it this way. You remember on the six days of creation? You remember the six days of creation? On the first day, God said, let there be light. On the second day, God said, let there be a firmament of the heavens that separates the waters below the firmament from the waters above the firmament. On the third day of creation, God said, let dry land appear. Remember that? Lights, firmament, dry land. On day four, God said, now I want to put the stars in the heavens, and I want to put the sun in the heaven, and there's going to be a great light, and there's going to be a lesser light. That's on day four. On day five, God said, now I'm going to populate the sea with the fish and all of the fowl of the air that swim that swim in the ocean. 
ocean, that fly in the sky. And then on day six, God said, now I'm going to put man in the earth. I want you to I'm going to show you what God did. God took the first three days and he formed it. Then God took the second three days and he filled it. He said, let there be light. Let there be, uh, let there, let there be a firmament in the sky. And then let there be the earth. And then on day four, which corresponds to day one, he said, now let there be light on day one. But on day four, now let me fill it with the sun, the moon, and the stars. He said, on day two, I want there to be a firmament. I want there to be a sky. I want there to be a heaven. But on day five, which corresponds to day two, I want to fill the heavens with the birds of the air. Then on day three, I want to let dry land appear. And on day six, which corresponds to day three, I want to fill that dry land with man that I've created because I can only feel what I've previously been allowed to form. As a matter of fact, your Bible says, let us form, let us form man from the dust of the ground. Breathe into his nostrils the breath of life. And boom, man became a living soul. God had to form him before God was allowed to fill him. And we're... And we're wanting God to fill our lives with blessing and increase and empowerment. But we've not created for him a structure significant enough to allow that blessing to remain. Let me get real practical. Can I do that? Are y'all with me this morning? You ever. Now, if this is you, just look straight ahead. Don't say amen. Don't say nothing. You ever got your tax return back and looked at how much money you made? And then you look at your savings account and look at how much money you ain't got left. Think, I brought in this and I've got this. What had happened was the blessing that God was sending drizzled right past us. Just drizzled right past us. You hearing what I'm saying? Just, just, just a slow trickle. Because there was no structure in our life that could contain what God wanted to send. Now, we find ourselves in the book of Exodus, chapter number 12. God has to form it before he can fill it. God's got to form it before he can fill it. I remember the ministry we, uh, we came from. We were, we were there for, I was there for 15 years on staff. Uh, there was one year where we did this big um, debt removal campaign. We didn't have a lot of we didn't have a, a, a lot of debt. It was which I don't like debt, but they they had debt. It was manageable. It wasn't wasn't crushing or anything like that. And uh, but they wanted to, to to be debt free. They wanted to break the chains, and be debt free. So we went on this big debt free campaign. And God spoke to our leader, and He said this. He said, "I want you to build a financial structure." well-pleasing to God that can contain the promise. I want you to build a financial structure well-pleasing to God that can contain the promise. So we took that year, started getting everything in order. Ain't nobody buying nothing. You need a pencil sent in a purchase order, and it will probably be declined. Ain't nobody buying nothing. Cut up the credit cards. We're getting out of this because God, the borrower is slave to the lender. We're getting out. Okay? And that was, that was our model. That was our mantra. And we, were, we had pushed through and we were, we were getting everything in order. Our books were pristine. Nobody was spending a dime that was unaccounted for. We were just doing it. It is amazing the amount of money you can spend in ministry, by the way. It would, you can't even wrap your mind around it. You can't even wrap your mind around it. And we were, we were pressed through. We were doing this. We were doing everything we believed that God wanted us to do. 
And God had given our leader a strategy. We had a huge partner base, a huge giving base, and they were all going to donate a certain amount of money, and in, in a certain amount of time, the debt would be eliminated, and everybody was excited, and everybody was fired up. And for over a year, we were believing God. We were pushing on our heart, pushing on our heart, pushing on our heart. And God said, build a financial structure, well-pleasing to God, that can contain the promise. So we're pushing, 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 and nothing's happening. Nothing. So we go back to the drawing board. What's going on? I'm, we're, looking at the, uh, we're looking at the accounting again, looking at the books again, looking at all of the purchases and everybody did. Who spent that nine cents? I'll break somebody's name. Ain't, it ain't accounted for. It's coming out of your paycheck. Okay. And so we're pushing on this, we're pushing on this. Come to find out, we had hired a new bookkeeper. And the bookkeeper, we didn't know it at the time. Everybody's Facebook live in this, this. All right. <laughs> Our bookkeeper was embezzling money. We could prove about $40,000 worth. They always tell us, the, 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 the law enforcement officers we were talking to, the specialists we were talking to, they said, whatever you can prove, it's normally five times that amount. Okay. We found vacations. We've, I mean, honey was living big. Huh? She had expensive taste. She started a few businesses, bought some cars, went on some vacations, had a fine time. It, well, obviously, she got fired and went to prison. Um, and so we're pushing on this. She gets fired, goes to prison. Within a week, we have one person write us a check, boom, pay us off all the debt. There was a hole in our structure that God held the blessing back before he poured into it. Because he said, I know if I poured into it now, I will be putting it into a bag that has holes in it. So out of my love for you, I'm going to hold back everything I've got prepared for you till you can get this structure right to be well-pleasing to God, to contain the promise that I want to send to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So now we find ourselves in Exodus chapter number 12. And everybody knows the story of Israel, but especially by the time you get to chapter 12, Moses and Israel, they all fed up. They fed up. We have asked Pharaoh nine times to let us go, and he still will not let us go. And God keeps speaking to us, and he keeps telling us, you go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. You go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses and the children of Israel are saying, God, we've obeyed you. And ain't nothing happened yet. Have you ever felt like you've obeyed God? You ever felt like you've obeyed God and nothing happened? You ever gave in an offering and then lost your job? Come on, somebody. You hearing what I'm saying? You ever obeyed God and it get worse? And now God is trying to pump Israel up again by chapter 12. And he's saying, if you go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. He going to let you go. And Moses is like, you have got to be kidding me. This is what God said. Watch this. Let me read you verse 11 again. And thus shall you eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste because it is the Lord's Passover. This is what God's saying. This time when you go before Pharaoh, Make sure you got your clothes ready. 
make sure you're packed up and ready to move. This time when you go to Pharaoh, because I've got to make sure you are prepared on the front end before I do everything that I've promised you I'm going to do. God spoke to me, and he said, most of the miracles, most of the blessing that people are believing me for, they are caught in holding patterns. You know what a holding pattern is? You ever flown in an airplane, been on a holding pattern? It's when you're flying around in circles over and over and over again. And you're like, the, the, the runway's right there. I could land the plane right now. I remember one time we were in a holding pattern. I'd never experienced this. I was sitting by a pilot on an airplane. And I said, what's going on? He said, we're in a holding pattern. I said, all right, what's that? He said, when, when we arrive at the destination too early, and he used the term too early as though an airplane has ever been too early. That's why it says it's going to take me two hours to get from Knoxville to Atlanta in an airplane. Because they got a cushion, right? And then they say, flight time, 16 minutes. Why did I have to be here four hours ago? I could have drove. Anyway, very much beside the point. <laughs> he said, when we get to our destination too early, when the runway is unprepared, they have to send us up into a holding pattern. Because if we were to land, we could damage the plane and endanger the cargo. And God said, a lot of the blessing I want to send into your life, it is called flying just above your head because the runway is not prepared yet in order for me to send into your life what I'm supposed to be sending into your life. Let me get real practical. I know young, I know young women right now, believe in God for a husband, can't fry an egg. So boo thing is going to keep flying around over the top of your head till the runway gets prepared in order for you to be able to handle the weight of what it means to be married. Can I get a witness from somebody? Can at least the brothers say, fry me an egg in Jesus' name? Huh? Want to have babies? Still sleeping to noon? Want to have babies? You'll never sleep again. You just slowly nine, nine hours of sleep. Don't have kids. Please, God, don't have kids. The blessing is trapped in a holding pattern up over our head. Joyce Meyer says it this way. We want authority over devils, but ain't got authority over sink full of dirty dishes. Because the blessing, oh, I ain't getting no help in it. The authority that we're at is just flying around over the top of our head. Over the top of our head. Let's be honest. Some of us, we're, 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 so, we're so unprepared for the blessing. If God sent us $100,000, it'd be gone before midnight. Right? Amazon.com. Right? That's why people, most of the people that win the lottery, they're broke. Because they don't have a structure that can handle what God wants to send. You're not waiting on the blessing. The blessing is waiting on you. <laughs> he said... What they're believing me for, caught up in a holding pattern. Because if I send it now, if you're not ready for marriage and I send it now, it will endanger the covenant because you're not prepared to handle what I want to send to you. That's why he told Israel, this time when I open the door, I want you to be ready to go. I cannot wait on you to get ready. You've got to prepare not for where you are. You've got to prepare for where I'm taking you. Come on, somebody. In this church, we, we're, we've got about 150 to 200 members. We are not preparing to minister. 
minister to 150 to 200 members. We're preparing to minister to 1,000 people because we're not preparing for where we are. We're preparing for where we believe God wants us to go. And it's going to be flying around the top of our head till the runway gets clear. And God says, now I can see in what I've been promising you. Because we think, this is what's funny about us, when God gives us a promise, when God speaks something to us prophetically, when God gives us a promise, we believe that our sole responsibility is to sit there and wait until we spontaneously combust with what God wanted to, what God wanted to send. Right? All prophecy is conditional. Every promise is conditional. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. For every then of God, there is an if of God. I will then do that, but if you will do this, then I will bless you if you will get prepared. Then I will send you the people that I've called you to minister to if you can build a structure that is well-pleasing. Come on, somebody, and help me preach this. I don't want to spend the rest of my life with blessing hovering right over my head and telling everybody, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. And I never change. That's why I told you breakthrough is on the other side of natural adjustments. You don't need to shout. You need to create a budget. That ain't deep enough, is it? We can go deep. We can go into the eschatological recreation of the earth. The earth is groaning and travailing for the manifestation of the sons of God. We can go as deep as you want. Or I can say everything God's promised you, you're not waiting on it. It's hovering just above your head. It's in a holding pattern. And God can only feel what he's been allowed to form. We tell people, before they're married, we say, don't be focusing on finding the right one. Don't focus on finding the right one. First of all, I don't even believe in the concept of the one. Think about it. All it takes is for one person to get it wrong. Then we're all in trouble. The domino effect. I don't believe in the one. Don't be focused on finding the one. Focus on becoming the one. Hovering just above our head. Everything God said. Everything God's promised. Right there. But then you reach. Then you reach. And it's just waiting. Waiting for some of the congestion to clear off of the runway. Waiting for some preparation to clear off the runway. If you can't manage $20, you can't manage $20,000. Did you hear what I said? If you can't manage $20, you can't manage $20,000. If you can't manage 20,000, you can't manage 20 million. Okay? If you can't clean up your own room, you first sure ain't gonna clean up after them kids. Huh? Well, I need a new car. Wash the one you got, it'll drive like a new one. Did you? <laughs> I need a new car in Jesus' name. I need a new car. Wash the one you got, it'll drive like Get the cold french fries out of the floorboard and let God prepare you for something greater. He that's faithful over little, he'll be, he'll be ruler over much. I need a new house. I need me a new house. Get the three inches of dust off the top of the refrigerator and take care of what you got and show God that you're prepared to handle more. Is that too harsh? <laughs> Man, y'all are gluttons for punishment. Y'all are like, keep bringing it. Because... 
good things can become a curse when you're not ready for them. The promise of God can be overwhelming when you're not ready, when you're unprepared. You remember the ten virgins when they prayed out, Lord, come, Lord, come. The bridegroom comes, the bridegroom comes, then the bridegroom showed up. They weren't ready. Because blessings become curses when you're unprepared. So God tells Israel, he said, listen, I know you have been through this same song and dance nine separate times. And I want to know, can you still stay ready when it didn't happen when you wanted it to? The way you wanted it to. Can you still? A lot of times faith is not displayed by our verbiage. Anybody can talk faith. I can't tell whether or not you really believe God's going to do it based upon how you talk. Because we have programmed a generation of church people to talk like parakeets. How you doing? God's good. All time. All time. God's good. Glory to God. Car got repossessed. Glory to God. God's good. Credit scores are four. God's good all the time. Right. Am I right? I can't, I can't tell how much you really believe God's going to do it based upon what you say. I have to look at how much preparation has went into you getting ready for what you believe God was going to say. We had a young, we, we have a, a friend that we're connected to. They've been believing God for years to get pregnant. Believing God for years, over 10 years. They were asking God. They were, they were burning to have a child, burning to have a child. They heard a message similar to this. They were burning to have a child. You know what they did? They went and they, they took their spare bedroom and they started painting the nursery. And they wanted a boy, so they painted it blue. And they started naming him. She wasn't pregnant yet. She was about as big around as my pinky finger. And she started buying maternity clothes. Come all the way out here. And she would wear those maternity clothes around the house. And she would wash baby. Oh, I feel this in my bones. She'd wash baby clothes. Didn't, wasn't even pregnant yet. She'd wash bottles. Wasn't even pregnant yet. Why? Because I'm preparing for what I believe God's going to send. And guess what God sent? The first baby she had was a little baby boy because preparation is what makes you ready for the promise. And I told her, if you put the name Casey in it, college will be paid for. But she didn't take me up on that. Because I can't tell how much you believe God based upon how much you talk like a Christian. I've got to see, are you preparing for what God's ready to do? In our leadership meetings, we're already creating systems and structures, not for the people in this room, but for the third and the fourth services that we're going to have full of people in this room. God, how are we going to minister to all these people? Oh, we know a lot of these people now, but God, how are we going to minister to all the people that you send us, all the broken and the, all the, broken and the hurting that you send us? We can't prepare for where we are. We've got to prepare for where we're going. You have got to be ready to move when I open the door. You got to eat, eat that lamb with your shoes on your feet. Get your shoes on. Get your clothes packed. Get your kids' toys packed. Because as soon as I open this door, you got to be ready to move. Because when God opens the door for you into your next level, you have to be able to walk through it without breaking stride. I talk to young men all the time that want to preach. They want to, they want to, they want to preach. Like, let me preach, let me preach, let me preach. And I'm like, all right, 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you preach a service. This was back when we were, we were running our Bible college down in Hamilton. I'm going to have you preach a sermon, service next week. They're like, whoa. Wait a second. Like, you said you wanted to preach. They're like, yeah, but I've seen like six months of preparation. I have to do this three times a week. Bruh, you'll be fine. You work at McDonald's. You'll be fine. you got all the time in the world. Okay? And so when I would open that door for them, their whole world would have to shut down in order to get ready for the opportunity. And God says, what I want to do in your life, I can't afford to have you shut everything down and catch up on a lack of preparation because you didn't believe me the way you used to believe me. I've got to make sure that when I open this door for you, you can walk right through it because you are already ready. And believe me, to send everything I'd already promised you that I was going to send. Are you listening to what I'm saying? If God's going to promote you at your job, you got to start acting like you've already got the promotion. You've got to start already acting like you held the position that you're believing God for so when that door opens you're just all you're just being who you've already been for years when when God promotes you it's really God just making public who you've already been in private for years you hearing what I'm saying when God opens that door if God gets ready to raise your salary you got to be able to handle that money you've already got to have the containers in place Start working on the percentages. Now, I dream about this all the time. If God sent me a million dollars, what would I do for Hope Unlimited? If God sent me a million dollars, what would I do for the city of Knoxville? Where, where's the greatest pain in our city where I could funnel resources and see God do something powerful? If God were to send us a million dollars, how would I reach the, our nation? If God were to send us a million dollars, how would I? I've already got plans. I've already got schematics. I've already got percentages and budgets and things right now because I'm preparing. Ain't nobody with me. This is about Al. Come on, Al. Al's always with me. I'm already preparing for what I believe God's going to send. And when he sends it, I won't have to look at a big number and say, what do I do? Because my shoes are on my feet already. My loins are already girded. Eat that lamb in haste. Because when I open the door, because this is what's going to happen, Moses. When I open the door, you're going to begin to lead your people out. And what you don't know is Pharaoh's going to change his mind. And if, and if you're not ready to move, you won't have the step ahead of him that you need to make sure he doesn't track you down. God Almighty, I wish I could say it the way I see it. Your next level. Come on, Will. Your next level is on the other side of your current obedience. Say it again. Everything you're believing God for, and if I could, if I could sit down with you, I would, ha I would have a plethora of, of needs, there's no doubt. I need a miracle in my marriage. I need a miracle in my, my, my body and my, in my health. I need a miracle in my finances. I need a miracle in my kids. I need a miracle in my job. I need a miracle. My, my husband's crazy. He needs to get saved. I need, my wife's crazy. She needs to get saved. Well, it'd be a miracle, all right? I, mean, I see married people in here shaking their head. They're like. All of that is waiting on the other side, your next level. Is on the other side, right across the threshold of your current obedience. Let's not 
pray for it if we're not going to prepare for it. It is preposterous to pray for it and not prepare for it. Because he said this, he said, in James chapter number one, let them ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Watch what he says. Don't let that man think he will receive anything from the Lord. Watch. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. He's not talking about your confession. I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Cadillac, 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 Driving a Pinto. Cadillac, 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 Cadillac. Nothing wavering. Cadillac, Cadillac. It's not what he's talking about. He said, when you ask in faith... There should be nothing in your life that contradicts, that wars against what you want me to sin. If you're believing to get married, when you get prepared, that spouse is a blessing, not a weight. Because you're already prepared, because you've been asking God for it, and now your entire life, not just your, not just your Christianese, but your life proves, I've been waiting on this. Oh, God Almighty. I've been waiting on this. Some of you for years. It's all right. I've been waiting on this. When Moses first went to Pharaoh, he said, let my people go. Pharaoh said, shut up now. Because you said that. Not only. Not only. Are you going to keep making the bricks? You're going to have to go find the own material to make the bricks. It's going to get harder before it gets better. Think of the challenge that Moses had as a leader. I have told these people nine separate times. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. God's going God's to get us out. This is time number 10. And now I'm telling them, God's going to get us out. Get your clothes ready. Could you imagine the collective eye roll from the children? Oh, God, here he goes again. The man is a lunatic. God spoke again. That's fantastic. Put your shoes on because tonight's the night. So they got dressed. They got prepared for something they hadn't even seen yet. They got they 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 were still preparing. Listen, they were still preparing for something that had previously disappointed them over and over and over again they had been disappointed time after time they had been let down time after time their hope had been deferred time after time and God said get your clothes on it's time to go can you can, and, and thank God they obeyed could you imagine the attitude <sighs> whatever where's the food Then God did it. In a moment. Imagine what it would have been like not to have been ready. You, you, 
you would have missed your defining moment. I used to I used to preach and I used to teach and I used to believe God won't let you miss your moment. And that's dumb. Yes, he will. And moments happen in cycles. If you miss one, you have to wait another revolution of the cycle before you get another. So this is what I came to take. Everything God promised you, even though you've been disappointed and still waiting. You're still waiting for that spouse to turn around. You're still waiting for them. God bless them kids. You're still waiting for them to get it. That boss that hates you, you're still waiting for God to vindicate you. Stay ready. He's forming you so then he can feel you. Does anybody believe it this morning? Stand up on your feet. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Do you love growing through the word of God as much as I do? I said, do you love growing through the word of God as much as I do? There are some things, bring that down just a touch, Will. There are some things in our walk with God that get fixed by the closet. And when I say the closet, I mean the prayer closet, right? I use that language because... That's the language Jesus used when you pray, go into your closet, shut the door, pray to your father in secret, your father sees in secret, he'll reward you openly. There's some things in our life that get fixed in the closet. There are other things in our life that don't get fixed in the closet, they get fixed in the classroom. I hope as a church, we build a culture where people can equally embrace the closet and the classroom. I want to build in our culture as a church. I want to build people that can, I've said it before and I'll say it for the rest of our days. People that can embrace both the move of God and the word of God. Because if you pray and don't prepare, your life is wavering. Let not that man think he shall receive anything. 